Well, hey, friends, we're about to get this episode started. It's a good one, but I first wanted to let you know about something that I recently created. I know that what you want most from your spiritual life is a sense that God is near and that your experiences have meaning within His plan for your life. But sometimes we run into seasons when they just don't make sense, God doesn't make sense, and you wonder if He's even aware of how the hard circumstances are affecting you or your prayers are just kind of bouncing off the ceiling what you need in those times, the spiritually rocky stretches, is a plan for engaging God. Well, fortunately for us, the Bible is full of people who experience the exact same frustration with God and whose faith survived the experience. How? Well, that's why I wrote What to Do When You're Mad at God, which you can get as a free download by going to halfwaytherepodcast.com slash mad. Just go there right now. You can put in your email address, and then it shows up in your inbox, and it's completely free. Plus, I will send you the latest content and our new material that we're working on. I've got a bunch of things I can't wait to share with you. But if you don't like it, you can unsubscribe at any time. So go now to halfwaytherepodcast.com to get your free download and a plan to help you move through your anger and back into worship, and uh, let me know what you think. So again, halfwaytherepodcast.com slash mad, and hey, let's get this show started. Welcome, friends, to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. And I'm your host, Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. I think this is going to be a special episode that you're going to want to hear. Uh, With me today is somebody that you'll know as a solo artist and the lead singer of Petra, John Schlitt. John, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you, my friend. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. I am excited to speak with you, and uh, I can't wait to hear what God is has done in your life and is doing right now. You know, I think uh, if we all realize that that's exactly the best way to put it, what has he done? What is he doing? What will he be doing? It's, uh, it never stops. Oh, yeah. Amen. Well, tell us a little bit about kind of what you're doing at this point, and we'll go back, and I can't wait to hear more of your story. Well, uh, okay, I think basically my life is, has uh, uh, turned into being relevant and uh, available. I think that's the best way to put it. I want to be available for whatever God has in store, and I want to be relevant in, in making, you know, making a difference. And I, I, that's my goal. That's my, uh, that's my um, I think that's my walk for the day, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, um with with uh, the fact that I've I've done what I've done, but no, let's, let's put it this way: God's allowed me to do what I've done in the past. Yeah. Uh, it gives me it gives me some doors that open, and I need to walk through them and be be as available as possible. So uh, I'm I'm in about four different bands right now. Uh, um, you know, depending on what you're looking for, type of thing. In other words, I. I can't, I'm not putting just one, uh, I have many eggs in the basket to see just how God can, can use them. Right. Yeah. And you, you do some traveling and you do, uh, you do, you have different kinds of bands that you will, you can appear with. I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's the only way to do it at my age, you know, the, um, 
the industry, the Christian music industry, is very fickle about uh, anybody older than about thirty. So <laughs> it tends to be it tends to be a challenge, even with the fact that I was the lead singer Petra, and Petra is still actually um, sought after in in uh, outside this country a little bit more, a lot more than than here. Yeah. Um, they they uh, and and that's cool, you know. But Petra retired, you know, yeah. uh, over. Uh, 13 years ago. So it's, uh, uh, it's one of those things where if, if someone has a revival or has a, uh, you know, a, a benefit type of thing, uh, if, if we're available, we put it back together and we go out and, and, and play that way. But that leaves me so much room for my solo work, uh, for, uh, I'm, I'm with a band called the union centers and saints now mm-hmm. with Billy smiley and myself. Uh, I, I play in a band that, uh, uh, with Jay Seculo, who is the president's lawyer, yeah. uh, he has a band. He has a band that probably is one of the best bands I've ever been part of, uh, and it just this kind of thing. And then John Elfonte and I go out together uh, every once in a while to represent uh, the Christian and secular music uh, genre that we were part of. Yeah. It's very interesting because we we try to. Uh, uh, basically sort of share our life through music and what God has done and, and how God's used it and is, and where he's taken us to now. So it's a really, really cool show. I mean, all of them have their uses. All of them are very, uh, I wouldn't be part of something that wasn't uh, uh, beneficial and entertaining to the listener. So uh, I'm pretty proud of all of them. So it's just like I said, it, it depends on what you're looking for. Uh, price range and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it just uh, allows me to be pretty, pretty available. Yeah. Well, that sounds great. Um, I was, I remember when Petra retired, you mentioned that I went, drove all the way up to Boulder from here to, uh, to go to a little, a little concert. It was pretty great. It was, that was fun, but I had well, to do you, it. Bud. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You know what it is. It was like a, it was a, Oh, the retirement of a, of a, I, I don't know what would you call it. Uh, just a retirement of something that was pretty important to a whole lot of people, of course, to me. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Petra was part of many people's lives, and it was just just an honor to be part of it. God used the music in, in mighty ways, and the best part of that uh, that farewell tour was that we we probably spent more time signing and talking to people after the show than we did at the show. <laughs> and that was really our whole goal. It was to say thank you to everyone personally and anyone that was uh, interested enough to come. That's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I want to hear more about your story. So I know you grew up in Illinois and what, what did uh, your parents do? Yeah. I yeah. grew up in a little town called Mount Pulaski, Illinois. My mom worked with computers. Uh, actually, she was a, a card, a card punching Secretary, <laughs> it's hard to explain to anyone nowadays, but they used to have cards that that ran the the computers. All right, and yeah, she well. was a, and she she would punch out the cards to put in the computers, and then my dad was a uh, worked for the Illinois State Highway Department, and he was an engineer, and you know they I had, they they were hardworking folks. Um, uh, would drive about 20, 20 minutes away from my hometown and 
I had two brothers, and we sort of babysitted ourselves until they came home every day. That was that was a plus and a minus. I mean, that gave us a lot of round, a lot <laughs> right. of room to get in trouble, and uh, and we did. So I wish I could say I was a perfect child, but no, I wasn't. And <laughs> but you couldn't do too much in the little bitty town that we were living in. So that was that was a blessing. Uh, I graduated from from high school, but meanwhile was also. I, when I was in middle school, I started a band. I learned how to play guitar and started a band. And it turned out to be a pretty pretty good band, you know, in my little area. And then when I went to college, I, I quit that and stopped music for about a semester or about a, no, a year. And then got into a band called Head East. Mm-hmm. Uh, and almost flunked out of school my sophomore year because uh, we were so busy. Had to quit that band. And then uh, at the end, when I graduated civil engineer, I joined the band that the, the day I took my last final exam. Uh, it it turned out to be an ex- a successful adventure as far as uh, um, album sales and this kind of thing. We ended up with a, a classic hit off of our first record which opened up many, many doors, uh, both positive and negative. I ended up being, um, uh, come, even coming from a small town with total, uh, with total um, uh, determination never to get hooked on anything. Well, when you're working in the world of, of the enemy uh, yeah. and you, you're not walking with Christ, you're fair game and yeah. And that's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. I became a cocaine, <laughs> cocaine alcoholic, and uh, wow. so much so that the band, the band fired me. And in 1980, uh, went on a binge for about six months. Uh, that just about ended my life. And that same six months period, my wife gets saved, just bugging me. I mean, I couldn't yeah. believe that she got saved because I'm a rock star. I don't want to have big Jesus with me, and. Uh, one morning when I woke up, a little voice says, you know, you're worth more dead than alive. Uh, I said, you're right. Make a long story short, my wife came up to me, tapped me on the shoulder, says, John, you promised you'd come and talk to my pastor. And I said, when? She says, last night when you were really drunk. <laughs> and so she was going to hold I'm you to sitting, that? Oh, I, I, you know what? I totally, I couldn't argue with you there, you know. So I went, I already had determined that I was going to, to end my life. I was back then when I was sitting in the chair, I was determining on what kind of pills to use. And I mean, it was, it was like, no big deal. Okay. Here's what I'm, and I've had it all planned out. She, so I went to that pastor's house just to let my wife know that I tried. I had no intentions of, of ever changing my mind. And again, a long story short, I walked in with an attitude and walked out with the Holy spirit. Wow. And my life changed and my life changed. I, uh, I was still in a, in a, a new band that I created. It lasted for about two months more because I just, I saw now that I had the Holy spirit, I had, I, I saw the, the, the difference in life and I just couldn't, st- I couldn't continue to be in that same vein. And so I finally quit music altogether, thought uh, I'd never sing again. Well, yeah, and I, I want to hear. I'm sorry, I, I talk too much. No, you're doing. You're. I love it. I love it. But I, I have some questions. So I want to hear. Go, like, what? Go. What was that? 
First of all, did your family, were they Christian? Was it a Christian family at all? Or was it like, what was your relationship with uh, religion before then? Well, my mom was a Catholic. My dad was a Lutheran. Uh, for a while, when I was like 13, uh, even maybe earlier than that, uh, there was a battle going on. Like if I went to Sunday school, I I had to go to catechism. You know, I had to, in other words, if I didn't, it was a battle between the two religions, and it, it oh. almost split our family up. And finally, my parents go, said, you know what, John? Uh, this this religious stuff is starting to, it's really hurting us. Here's what we're going to do. When you're old enough, you pick the church you want to go to. And, you know, I'm a 12, 13-year-old. Oh, fantastic. I'll just sleep. You know, yeah. I forget church. I'll sleep. And that's exactly what happened. Now, did I believe in God? Absolutely. I prayed to God every night, but I didn't know Jesus. I, I Jesus was uh, one of the figures in the Bible, which I never read. It was that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, I was a, I was, I believed in God because I'm an American. You know that kind of thing. Right. Uh, back then, that's you. That that's how it was. Um, but as far as knowing Jesus as my Savior, no. And was that my parents' fault? Not necessarily. That's how they were taught also, you know, through, mm-hmm. through those two different uh, 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 religious, you know, standings. So it was it was not any—that's just how I grew up. Yeah. Next question. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that was interesting. I, I was very curious about that because— um, you know, you're, I know that you've heard you say your stance, you know, you were like, I don't want that religious stuff. So I wasn't sure what, where that came from. Um, so what, well, yeah, at the time, remember that was when I was, uh, you know, I'd been, I was creating a new band and I didn't want this Jesus stuff. Everybody knew that being a Christian was boring and stupid and, yeah. uh, you know, you're, you only weak people do that. The typical mindset of how the world conditions people on why they should be. You know, that kind of thing. I was just one of them, one of the the typicals. And when I became a Christian, that's when I realized the difference. Oh, my gosh, it was my life, uh, my life's challenge to let, if nothing else, just let the people I knew know the difference and uh, know that 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 was a bunch of lies. Uh, Was I going to cram Jesus down their throat? No, but I was going to let them know that what they've been taught is wrong. Yeah. And that's, that's sort of been my, my walk ever since it's, it's, you have been lied to, you have a choice. Our Lord is a, is a God of choice. And, but you need to know the choice you have. And if you're told, you know, from the day you're born, that being a Christian is stupid, boring, and, and wimpy, uh, then it's our job as people that have seen the truth to go out and say, no, that's not the truth. Here is the truth. And you make the choice. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's really the way, again, God has never been a God of, of pressure or uh, he's not dictatorial. He, he's jealous uh, of our, you know, uh, of his, of his kids, but he's not, he's not a dictator. So he gives us a choice, but I really believe it's fair. It's fair just, you know, we the the we need to know all the all the answers. You know, we need to know all the choices. And right now the world does its best to eliminate the choice of life. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, okay, so I want to know about some of your time in Head East. Is uh, like mm-hmm. so? I know that you you kind of went over that where you know you you were you said the open doors, right? So there were the drugs and alcohol was was a big part of that. Um, mm-hmm. Like, was there something? Was there a reason for the drug for the drug use? Like, was there something driving well, that? Or? Yeah, you know, it, Head East in the beginning was an amazing adventure. Uh, we worked our tails off. The guys that in the band were amazing. They it was a great band. We had everything we needed to be that kind of a uh, uh, you know, touring band. Uh, we were totally competitive with everyone else who was out there at the time. And when you were touring, in, you know, in the seventies, you better be a you better be a good band because they didn't have all the gimmicks and stuff now that they they can you know hide behind. You were there. What you heard was what you you know what you got. Yeah. And so the band was was amazing. And when we started out. I mean, the first record we did, we did it ourselves. In fact, it was just a, uh, um, it was actually a demo album, a demo LP that we were going to send to record companies to see if they would consider um, uh, putting us on the label. But what happened was our LP got in the hands of a couple of major breakout uh, FM stations and it went number one instantly. So to make a long story short, in a matter of six months, we had labels coming to us. And in that same six month period, we signed with an amazing management. They in turn got us to the biggest uh, um, booking agent in the world. I mean, we signed with A&M records, which was a very classy uh, label. So in six months, we went from a bar band, a pretty big bar band, a college bar band to a touring band. And I mean, we were touring, we were touring for the next four years with, the biggest tours that were happening uh, in the U.S. I mean, we, if we didn't play in front of 20,000 people a night, it was a small show. Wow. You know, I mean, we, we would sell out 3,000 seats and go, well, this is okay. But <laughs> And nowadays, I mean, that's it, it. we were spoiled. We didn't know how good we had it. We didn't know how what, uh, what a uh, success story this was. But on the other hand, we, you know, all of a sudden – out of the blue, I mean, in a very quick time, we had a musician's dream. We were touring everywhere, playing with the biggest names, and we were one of them, you know. And it's, it was like, uh, where we, where we, you know, even if we were opening up a show, our our song or you know, we was in the top. I mean, it was a major show when your opening act has has a a, a big a big song along with the headliner. It's, it was yeah. just very cool. Uh, so what, what, the problem with that is, okay. even if even if it's a dream, even if your dream is complete, if you have it every day, it gets old. Right. And and it gets to a point where 20,000 people a night is very cool, but so what? Uh, you know, what's, what are we going to do? Is there a party after the show? Um, it, it's trying to keep up with the night before it was like one party after another, after another. And what happened with me was, um, back then beer was water backstage. It just, I wasn't, I, you know, I didn't drink that much before I actually was a bartender in, in college. It helped me, you know, work my way through college, but I never, it, I watched what, Boost did to people, so it was. Yeah, it wasn't like I was a big, but 
when you're back there and everybody's doing it, it's that peer pressure thing. Uh, beer was water. Water wasn't cool at the time. I mean, water, you you know, it didn't cost more than gasoline. It was just a drinking fountain. So you drank, you drank beer and so, or hard liquor, or uh, that, at least that in my circuit, that's what you did. So I started drinking and drinking more and drinking more. And then all of a sudden cocaine came in the picture. And that was the, that was the final straw that I, I was, I promised myself I'd never do drugs because I didn't think I'd be in the music business that long. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to mess myself up for the future when I was going to be an engineer, you know? Yeah. So when Coke came along, it, it, it caught me and, and, uh, my whole life turned around basically, um, it depended on how much Coke I had. It, 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 Coke took over and it was, uh, cocaine took over and, and that was the beginning of the major end to me. So that's, that's that as much as the band, I had some amazing times with the band. Uh, the crowds were really gracious to us. Uh, uh, all I ever wanted to do was play good music and make sure that the people that came to see us had a great time. It's all good, good intentions, but uh, when you're messing around in the enemy's world, good intentions don't mean a thing. Yeah, well, that's definitely true. Okay, so you ended up leaving Head East, and no, I, I ended up getting fired. You from got Head East. fired, yeah. You you they threw you out. Yeah, um, and uh, okay, so then you told us a little bit of that story about how you you know your wife came to Christ. And you went to the pastor. Take us into that moment, because I'm really curious about what was it that he said that the Lord used to to really grab your heart. Very simple. He said, "Do you know you know Jesus?" I said, "Yeah, I know Jesus. I'm an American. I go to church twice a year." And oh, <laughs> that was the wrong thing. Oh my gosh, you don't know Jesus. You know that Jesus has a plan a plan for your life. You don't know that Jesus loves you. You don't know that Jesus that knows exactly what you're thinking right now. I'm going bang, 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 bang. So I'm sitting on the couch going, What is going on? Looks at me and says, Do you want to know Jesus? And I sort of I'm going, I shook my head, yes. That's it. That's all I could do. And finally I was able to say the sinner's prayer. And it was it. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was just just grabbed a minute. Pastor opened ma- ma- her mind, her mouth. I I, I knew I was I was. Uh, it, my life was changing right there. Wow. Yeah, that's that's just really amazing. Um, and then you spent. So you were out of music for a while. After out of me. Oh yeah. Well, yeah so, what, absolutely. I figured. I figured I'd never be in music again when I left. I had a band, listen, that six-month period where I was on a binge, I mean, when I say a binge, it was right after I left Head East, I said, I'm going to I'm gonna start my own band, I'll show them, I don't need them, and I put together a band called the Johnny Band, all right, and went all over the country, got some of the best musicians, brought them back to this little town that I was living in, I went back to my hometown, uh, but we we did it for about six. We we rehearsed and got the band happening for about six months. And I went on a cocaine alcohol binge for six months. And when I say that, I mean I was either drunk or high almost twenty four hours a day for six months. And you can't do that. You and nobody can live. Yeah, you can <laughs> if you have been doing it for three years before that. Right. You know. 
your body is used to. So it was, and that's what brought me down to the final straw to where uh, seemed suicide was the best answer. One morning I woke up on my couch. My little one-year-old son was looking at me like, why are you on the couch, Dad? Because I'd passed out the night before and my wife had just gotten tired of hiding the fact and just let me sleep there. And my little one-year-old son's looking at me. I'm going, oh, the monster's coming home. And so that's when the little voice goes, you know, you're worth more dead than alive. And I said, yeah, that sounds like that sounds like a good good plan. So I sat in my chair in the in the living room uh, where my one-year-old was playing and my five-year-old daughter, because I was in the lit. They liked being around me. And I said to myself, you know what, a gun, I don't want to do that because it would leave a mess. So I'm sitting there going, okay, uh, what kind of pills can I get that would be the quickest and pain, as painless as possible? And as I'm thinking that, that's when my wife taps me on the shoulder and says, you know, you promised you'd come talk to my pastor. Wow. That, so, that is know, so providential. It, oh, oh, gosh, yes. I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and watching how God worked uh, through that was is amazing. Uh, it's just, uh, and again, having having my wife, you know, getting a stat, although she was still a baby Christian, she was she was a heavy duty baby Christian. I mean, she, the, the the little church we were going to was that she was going to was major. She started it started as a Bible study, you know, with some of her friends from the past. Yeah. And I mean, she became a Christian. We actually moved back from from St. Louis. We moved back to our little hometown because uh, when I left the band, uh, we just needed to start a new life, you know. And uh, the first thing she did was go to the library and read a book called How to Be Born Again. And then found friends that were, and she got saved right away. And that was making me mad because you know I was in this in this uh, haze, wanted to be wanted to show just revenge and and uh, uh, just wanted to show the band that I didn't need type of thing you know just the typical yeah. every negative uh, uh, thing that could happen was happening to me and I just I was just too stubborn to realize it and so um, as <laughs> as the enemy's trying to destroy me. Uh, the Lord is building up my wife to use as a tool later. And it just was just sort of cool. It's real cool to see how it worked. It is. I love that God does those kind of things. It uh, is really amazing. Um, but he, but he wasn't done with you. So you, you gave your life to Christ in that meeting with the pastor. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you, you had a period of time. I'm guessing that you, I don't know how you, how the addiction went. You eventually gave that up. I'm, I'm guessing. Um, I, it took, yeah, it took, it took me about a month to finally realize that, uh, uh, I could not be in the, in the Johnny band and, and, and walk the walk. It just, yeah. it couldn't happen. It just, uh, too many temptations. I was a baby Christian. Every time I went out on the road, of course, the enemy doesn't like to let go. So he, he's putting more temptation in front of me than I had in head East, you know, in the, in the glory days of head East. So it's yeah. like, I'd come back to my little church and pray for all uh, everything that that happened that weekend that was all, all of course all failures and um, my little church would just keep praying for me keep praying for me you know and then uh, 
they knew they knew the battle was there, but God had a plan. And I finally, I just, my wife said, "Listen, it's music or me." <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. All right. And so um, I told everybody that was involved. I said, "Guys, I'm quitting music," and nobody believed me. They said, you can't quit music. You're a rocker. You can't I, watch me. Wow. And we did, and started a new life, and it was it was different. I cut my hair off, got a three-piece suit, tried to go in and, and applied for engineering job, and my, my resume said rock star. That's it. So, <laughs> right. Um, graduated from University of Illinois, rock star. And that didn't go very far in the engineering field, so it took me, um, I think the first job I ever got after that was sweeping a floor in a tool-and-die factory for less money an hour Oh my gosh! I, I made less money a day doing that than my per diem per day in Hetty six months before. You know, it's just, wow. But I praise God. I praise God for it because it was a new beginning. I find somebody finally trusted me to do that, and then shortly after, about six months later, uh, I was working. Uh, there was a coal mine being developed, and someone actually trusted me to hire me as an engineer there. And I spent uh, oh a year and a half there, temporary job from one temporary uh, you know company to another to another, and it just for five years I was an engineer. I actually worked as a uh, as a uh, um, oh a, a project a project assistant project engineer um, for a mining development company, and. Uh, then got promoted as a cost and scheduling engineer uh, for the company in the main office. It just, but every time I needed an increase, I was there. He provided it. It was just it, yeah. again, it's totally amazing how God would work. But I was totally out of music. Wouldn't listen to it anymore because it it bothered me. I always had that oh, whenever yeah. I hear hear music, even Christian music. Especially Petra. I mean, I, I became a big Petra fan. Oh, really? Uh, during that time period, because someone had get, given me a Petra record and said, This band sounds just like your old band, except it's Christian. I said, Yeah, right. <laughs> because Christian music up to that time had been Amy Grant uh, and uh, Sandy Patty, and they are Sweetie Pies, but uh, it's just not my music <laughs> style, you know? Yeah, that's so, those early 80s there. So I basically just gave up music altogether. Wouldn't listen to the radio. Uh, um, just wouldn't listen to music because it would frustrate me. Yeah, I was really curious so, about that because that seems to be, it's obviously who you are. It's, it's who God's made you to be. So I was curious about that time period. But so what was going on with you spiritually though? Like how, were you, was that a time of learning for you? Oh gosh, yes. It was uh, that five year period. I was in the word more than I've been than anything I've ever been part of before. And, you know, looking back, that was God's plan. But I needed to get into the Word and get to be a stable Christian. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not, a, not a baby Christian that goes out and makes every mistake in the world, which I did anyway. But uh, Sure, naturally. Uh, but get get into the Word and get get established, get, get the foundation. And... You know, looking back at it, God's perfect plan, I, you know, if I was going to be the lead singer for the biggest Christian rock band in the world, not only did I need the skills that I learned in the world, you know, being in, in front of Head East, yep. I needed to have a foundation 
that would uh, represent the Christian part of the band, you know, and not make it. It just it was a twofold plan. Yeah, you and, needed to grow and, a little bit. Uh, oh gosh, yes. Oh my gosh. In five years, it was cutting it close. But that, <laughs> but you know, it was. It was by the time Bob called me. That's how it worked. I was ready. God knew it because that was God's plan. Uh huh. And so, so, uh, uh, yeah, for five years, I was an engineer. Uh, um, in fact, just before Bob called me, which was in 1985, um, a, a boy's go, you know, I was sitting in my uh, living room, um, had finished my home, which is the first home we ever owned. I, I've always bought the worst house in the in the neighborhood, and and uh, because I'm a do-it-yourself, or rebuild it to hopefully one of the nicest ones. And I had just finished our first home. Uh, I was sitting uh, on a Sunday afternoon, didn't have anything to do because the house was finished, sitting and thinking, you know, I've got a great job. Kids are going to Christian school. We got a great church, a healthy wife, a house is finished. This must be the American dream. Wow. And all, all of a sudden, a voice goes, No, John, this is not it. Don't get content here because this is not it. And I was like, What? I looked around and I, my wife sat next to me. And I said, Babe, I think God just talked to me. Wow. She said, what, do you, what, do you, what do you say? And I told her, She said, What do you think it is? I said, I have no idea. And then a couple of other things actually came through in almost the same way. And I'm still totally perplexed because that's like, well, this is, this is it. I'm, I'm too old to sing anymore. There's no way, you know, you know, I'm a typical, you know, it all kind of thing. Uh, and so then when Bob called and remember by this time, the only music I'm listening to is, is Petra uh, Phil Kagi and uh, uh, and Keith Green. Oh you yeah, know, those, those al- I had those albums. Those were all very cool to me. Yeah, how did he and hear about so, you? Um, well, when you are a secular secular uh, personality, and you become a Christian oh, in okay. the music business, yeah, yeah, it it, it spreads. Gotcha. And uh, that's a long story too. <laughs> Is it okay? Uh, through just a long story. And a friend of his uh, out of Colorado said, you know, Bob, is there anything I can do to help you? Let me know. He says, well, find me a singer. And he says, well, that's funny you say that, because what about John Schlitt? Uh, from Henny said, well, yeah, I know, but he disappeared. Uh, and nobody knows where he's at, which I did. I purposely disconnected my phone. Wow. Got, got cut off, because what was happening was... Um, when I when I quit the quit the music business, then of course the enemy is going to tempt you. Yep. And I had these these managers calling up and saying, "Hey, listen, John, we've got this super group happening. We got the guitar player for so and so, and the and the keyboard player, for, and we just need a front uh, first class front singer, and we could have a super group." And it happened twice. I said, "Okay, that's that's enough." Uh, and I I disconnected my phone. And disappeared. So when Bob, when uh, the friend told Bob, uh, he goes, it, it sparked Bob's interest. And so he started looking for me through the phone book. 
and finally found my brother who was on the um, back cover of Flat as a Pancake as a, as a crew member, which he was. And he got a hold of, of my brother's Jeff's number, called him, and said, this is, you know, this is Bob Hartman of Petra, and I, I'm looking for your brother. Can I? And Jeff goes, uh, oh, he's not, he doesn't do that anymore. He's not interested. He goes, and, and Bob goes, hey, well, listen, he might be interested in talking to me. Um, could you, could you uh, give me, give him my number? And Jeff goes, oh, okay, I can do that. So he did, praise God. Yeah. And I called Bob thinking that, oh, Greg must, you know, he might have messed his throat up a little bit and they need a singer to go and maybe sing background, finish an album. I was just excited with the idea of going back in the studio. And when I called Bob and he said, make a long story short, when it finally came down to the meat of the matter, he says, would you consider singing for Petra? I just about dropped. <laughs> I mean, because there, I'll tell you what, there were times when I was working as an, you know, working in the, in the mines uh, and the miners put up with me because I was a rock star. Yeah. Normally they can't stand engineers because we get in the way. Well, they sort of thought I was cool because, you know, and I'd ride in what we call the muck bucket down this shaft about a thousand feet and we'd all be sitting there and, they go, Chandler, what are you here? Why are you here? Why don't you have to sing and rock and roll? I mean, I said, guys, the only way I'd ever sing rock and roll again is if it was in a Christian group like Petra. And you got to understand, that's like saying the only way I'd go to the moon is yeah. if I could flap my flap my arms and go there on my own. It just it was impossible. You know, there, it wasn't going to happen. And when Bob said that, I said, I go, I go, yeah, let's do it. He goes, well, don't you think you should pray about it? I go, oh. <laughs> yeah. But I knew. Yeah. I knew. Uh, You'd already heard. Knew. Oh, gosh, yes. I. But it's, you can't say that to them. So you just, you know, let them find out themselves. <laughs> so about, um, that was in 85. Um, the first show I did with them was like six months later. They had to finish their uh, uh, their live tour. Uh, and then, then six months later, we were, we were in Brisbane, Australia, singing the first, me, the first First time on stage sober in five years. Wow. And I wish I could say it was perfect that night. No, I was so excited. I blew my throat out. And it took me another, oh, shoot, another six months to finally get back into my groove. And God bless them. They they stuck with me. If I, did, if I was them, I'd have fired me the second night. But they stuck with me. And we, you know, to make a long story short, the next 20 years was very, very victorious. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can you can gloss over all that, but you guys were really successful. <laughs> uh, you, well, we, <laughs> you, I mean, you, you Grammys and Dove Awards and all kinds of things. Well, you know what? Those were great. Those were great keys, open doors. But the truth is, watching people come forward—that was when Christian yeah. music was really evangelistic and was a beautiful tool to be used. Um, I'm afraid we've sort of lost that. I think now music is more of a soothing uh it, it's it's just a, a a soothing thing it's i don't know if it's quite evangelistic as it's been as it used to be but i guarantee you that that's that's the heart of, of the christian bands it's just that they've really thrown some wrenches including older calls i don't know if people do call the calls anymore but that was that was a major part of what we did yeah and that i think that was probably the highlight of 
of the shows. It was we would do our best to be the best rock band that could be because we were calling ourselves a Christian rock band. And but we also wanted to make sure the message was heard clear and you know loud and clear, and and then give the opportunity to see you know if people who come for the first time never had a chance to hear that. Like I said, they get a choice, and would they like to be part of the body of Christ tonight? And that was cool. Yeah, yeah, that absolutely. was cool. A lot of a lot of action went on. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful so. Well, what, so tell me about that period of time then. What, what was, you know, obviously people coming to Christ, what was sort of, do you you have any stories about times when that was really particularly powerful or something that was impressed on you that God was really working? Well, we went out with Josh McDowell for about, oh my gosh, over a a period of about three records, to tell you the truth, from, from, uh, fired up to, uh, uh, Phrase one to, uh, Beyond belief! Oh my gosh! Uh, just yeah. uh, a lot of we did. It was a perpetual tour. It just went on forever, and um, we played in California one one night. It was a big, big house, uh, uh, probably about six thousand people. Uh, it was a college, I think. Uh, I, I can't remember. All I remember is it had the widest uh, aisles I'd ever seen. I'm thinking, man, these aisles are wide. And, you know, going up the bleachers, uh, just there's a lot of space in the aisles. So we would we would play, and at the end, Josh would come out and give the altar call. He would speak. He would speak. We'd play for a little bit. Josh would come out and speak. I can't quite remember, but I do know the altar call. Josh would give it, and we'd stand there behind him as support. And when he gave the altar call. There were so many people that came forward that all the aisles were packed full. Wow. Um, I mean, from it was it was amazing. All the aisles were packed. Josh turned around and looked at us and says, "Can you believe it?" You know, with sort of mouth, "Can you believe this?" And we were just all in awe. And it just uh, had to stop the concert because there was no place to, to take the people that wanted to come forward. So we just we the the volunteers we had to ask for a whole lot more volunteers. So all the pastors that were in the uh, uh, in the stadium or in the auditorium came forward, and I, for some reason that has always stuck yeah. to me like the epitome uh, the epitome of 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 a perfect night. And so that that has always been a, a major deal to me. I think. Maybe the first time we won a we won a Grammy, uh, it was so unusual because we'd been nominated forever. Sure. And you know we we'd go there and okay, who's going to get it this time? Sandy Patty and Lauren Harris. Okay, great, that's, <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, and then when we finally got it, it was like I don't believe it. You know that was sort of a a highlight. To, you're asking memories that that was yeah a yeah. Um, so. I mean, oh my gosh, we don't have the time to tell you all just flashes of, of things that happened that were amazing. So it's just been, again, it just it's just been a life that uh, that few people get to experience, and I, for some reason, have been blessed to do it. No doubt. Okay. I would be remiss if I did not ask you what your favorite Petra album was. <laughs> I have to ask. Okay, which... Which one of my kids you, do I love more? You may okay, love them all. I get it. I get it. But okay, I, I can't give you just one. I have to give you about five. Okay. Right? Well, that's fair. Okay. 
This Means War, Venture Praise 1 and 2, Beyond Belief, No Doubt. Okay. All right? Yeah. And there's reasons for every one of them. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Which one do you find people people like most? Oh, probably Beyond Belief. Yeah. Although No Doubt sneaks in there. Yeah. The song No Doubt, when we did... When we did, you know, the the farewell tour, um, I think people mentioned, surprisingly, people mentioned the song No Doubt as much as Beyond Belief. Interesting. And, and, you know, and Don't Let Your Heart Be Hardened, Get On Your Knees and Fight Like a Man. I mean, there were so many songs that, that people could relate to, but No Doubt was probably mentioned more than... Or, or even up there with, with Beyond Belief. Interesting. Well, that's a it's an encouraging song for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, I I still do it. You know, when uh, whenever I'm doing my solo stuff, which is another uh, one of the things I do, I do solo with tracks or with a band, uh, which is always fun because I I can you know do Petra stuff. Uh, I can do the whole camp. The hardest part for me, and thank you Jesus, is. I have so much material that I I I don't know what to pick. It uh, it's yeah. almost anymore anymore when someone uh, uh, calls me and says, "Can I I say, well, do me a favor and give me a song list? What would be what do you hope to hear? You know, and it's uh, so it's almost like I don't have a song list anymore. I just have to await and let them give it to me. And say, okay, that's cool, and then build a build a set around that. Interesting. Uh, have you had a time since you became a believer when you felt like God was far away or you were maybe upset with him or something? You mean today? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, listen, we're human. Sure. You know, uh, I still, every morning I ask God to forgive me for not trusting him. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, first of all, we're Americans. We think we can do it all ourselves. We think, you know, uh, the, the typical, I think the typical Christian American is, and, and, and well-meaning. Okay, God, I got this. Don't worry. I don't want to bother you with this trite stuff. And that's for the first time. That's when you fall flat on your face and you go, God, why did you allow that? You know, it's, it's that typical stuff. You, uh, if we would just get out of the way and let God take care of, of things, we'd be a lot better off. Um, there, I'll tell you what, when I left Petra, that was a scary time. Because that had been my life for twenty years. Yeah, I had a solo career I already developed, and I I was excited about starting that. But the truth was, I just I just I couldn't. It was like I was forcing it, and I will tell you that after a while, I was starting to go. I never I never doubted God. I was just unhappy with Him. Yeah, you know, right? He he wasn't doing he wasn't fitting into my plan. I've never, I've never doubted God and his, his, his power, you know, that, but I have asked why his time instead of mine, you know, that's, I guess that's about the worst that I can say, Yeah, which is bad enough. That's bad enough. But, but I tell you what, just takes, takes some quiet time and some prayer and some reading of the word and all of a sudden, hopefully it may take a while, but you get back to reality and go, okay, it's not God, it's you, you character. And just, <laughs> and, just and just start realizing that he's got a plan, have patience, 
just you know walk the walk, do the best you know how, and and uh, you be you do do your best that day, and God will handle it. And yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. Absolutely. Well, I asked that question um, because I really think it's a normal part of the journey, and I I'm always curious how people handle it. Um, oh, absolutely. I I totally agree. Yeah, my my. <laughs> My comments are not unusual by any means. I mean, that's that's what I was trying to say. It, it, oh yeah, we have to be just just understand that it's it's a normality. You know, we just have to be trusting and patient. And uh, uh, does that mean we're supposed to slow down and say, "Okay, God, you take it. I'm st- I'm not doing nothing." No, we're supposed to be as productive as we can, as Christ-like as possible, and trust that it's going to be completed in God's in in God's way not yours. Right. Yeah, that's what I think is so interesting. Some people have an experience where they're really angry with God, they have a really dry season and I I've, I've figured for like you said that hey you don't you, you know haven't doubted God, you're just not happy with his timing. Um that makes sense because you went through such a a you know process to get to get there to your faith anyway. Um, that that's deeply ingrained in you, and that's not gonna not gonna be challenged. Exactly, exactly. It's just we have to understand that uh, uh, we walk the walk, do the best we can. Yeah, and and just let God take. You know, again, He's going to use us. You know, it's not we are His tools. We're His frontline soldiers. For some reason, we have been. He chooses us to be the tools in everything He does. He could, you know, He could. Do it himself. He doesn't need us to do it, but for some reason, and maybe it's because I, I don't know. I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to guess on that one. Uh, just uh, uh, and we just understand that and walk as, as strong as we can. Yeah, I love that. Well, that's great. Uh, so, what have you learned about yourself since just let's say the last 13 years since you left Petra? Uh, like I said, four different bands, uh, uh, three more solo records. Uh, uh, a record with uh, Billy Smiley and myself, uh, working with Jay Seculo, um, going out and working with John Alfonte. Just uh, I'm, I do carpentry. Uh, just I, I'm always a busy man. I, I've never, I don't like being quiet. I don't like being, um, I don't like my time being inefficient. Uh, so I try to stay as busy as possible. Um, and uh, that's not an excuse to, you know, I, I just, it, I want to be productive. And then I guess for the last 13 years, that's what I've been doing. Yeah. Being productive. That's awesome. All right. Well, John, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your story. It's been really fun to just get to get to hear it personally. And I know that our friends listening are going to be blessed by it as well. Um, do you have anything else well, you want to leave us with? No, it, it's a pleasure. Thank you again for your interest, and I hope that uh, uh, you know as each testimony is is uh, explained and and talked through. Hopefully, uh, folks will see that hey, you know their life hasn't been that much different from mine, uh, or or it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be seen as such. Every one of us has amazing testimony. Every one of us has got uh, uh, handling our lives. We just have to understand it and give them credit for it. Absolutely. Amen. Well, thanks a lot for being here. My pleasure, buddy. You ha- hey, Godspeed with your program. Thank you.